Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Welcome to Rams Up, a Los Angeles Rams podcast. We are a proud member of the Pigskin Podcast Network. We cover other SoCal sports news of interest but we're mostly about your Los Angeles Rams. I'm your host, Mark. Let's get to it. Greetings, Ram fans. This is episode 24 of season two, our 101st episode of Rams Up, your Los Angeles Rams podcast. Today, however, we're taking a turn we finally have our much-promised Los Angeles Dodgers episode. We're going to get through some Ram news up front here, and then we're going to jump into over an hour of discussion about the Los Angeles Dodgers, our Los Angeles Dodgers. I have Paul Walia, our big Jackie Robinson fan on board, as well as Tom Quartz, who, much like me, grew up in Southern California playing baseball and listening to and watching the Dodgers. We're going to get caught up on the Dodgers. It's a good time of year to do that before Rams training camp starts. And I should say, before we get into that, I'm no Dodger expert anymore. I'm going to try to facilitate this conversation as best I can. Paul and Tom, they're the smart ones on the Dodgers. We'll see what they have to say about the roster, some of the decisions Dave Roberts has been making predictions for the rest of the season, all that good stuff. So that's coming up. And by the way, you can find that on our YouTube channel, the video specifically just 
the Dodger segment on our YouTube channel. If you can't find our YouTube channel, go to our website. We've jacked it up a little bit recently. There's a link to our YouTube channel that's ramsup.com. And when you get to that YouTube channel, please subscribe to it. Really appreciate it. Let's get through some Ram news. Not a lot going on, really. A lot of articles out there about who is going to be the breakout Ram star, who's going to be the Ram that makes the Pro Bowl, who has never made it before. Lots of interesting conversations. The one news that came out recently, OBJ claims he played the second half of the 2021 season with a torn ACL. And I think a lot of people are very skeptical that that is the truth. But, you know, I think it's very possible that it is true. I know people have torn their ACL and didn't even know it and actually had some athletic ability with a torn ACL. It is a little bit hard to believe that he could play at an NFL level with a torn ACL. Pretty amazing if it's true. Take OBJ for his word on that. Hopefully his recovery is going well, better than last time, anyways, with the Browns, and he'll be back on board with the Rams, hopefully contributing to another Super Bowl run. Rams announced their training camp dates July 29th through August 10th at UC Irvine. Beautiful area. Eleven of those are open to the public. I'll be down there for one of them. I did that a few years back with my special assistant. It was a blast. And we'll be doing it again. Not sure on the date, but we will be down there for sure. You know, and I think it really just sunk in the other day. Bobby Wagner is a Los Angeles Ram. That sounds so good. The big news in the sports world from a Los Angeles perspective, of course, is UCLA and USC leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten. I'm kind of torn about that. I mean, I, I like to see UCLA and USC do well. I like to see them get national recognition, and this will help them in that pursuit. But it's still kind of sad, the Pac-12 basically dissolving before our eyes. And I also feel bad for great programs like the University of Oregon and Washington. Could they be coming along to the Big Ten as well? Maybe they need to rename that conference. And then there's the Golden Goose still sitting out there, Notre Dame. Independent as far as football goes, the Big Ten must want them badly. USC coming over to the Big Ten, that makes the Big Ten Conference much more attractive to Notre Dame. Are they next? And if that happens, lots of rivalries at risk here. What's going to happen to that Stanford-Notre Dame rivalry? and the USC-Notre Dame rivalry. What's going to happen to the Rose Bowl? It's a new world we're living in. UCLA and USC making the move they had to. And you know what this means? It's going to put even more travel stress on the Pac- I almost said Pac-12. On UCLA and USC traveling to the Midwest. They'll be playing, they'll be playing in the 9 o'clock Pacific Standard Time slot. That's challenging for a young college football team, something the SEC never has to deal with. Their travel across time zones is very minimal. UCLA and USC, they could be playing at Rutgers. So it's a good day for UCLA and USC, I guess. But be careful what you wish for, especially from a travel perspective. In the long run, I think it's good for both schools. 
I wish the best for these other Pac-12 schools, so I really feel bad for them. But it's the world we live in. We're going to have two tiers. But does Rutgers belong in that top tier and Oregon doesn't? Something's got to give in that regard. I wonder if the Big Ten would trade out Rutgers for Oregon if they could. Nothing against Rutgers, but I just don't think they're at that level. It'll be interesting to see how this pans out over the next weeks, months, and years. College football changing before our very eyes. And a lot of people say California football's weak. It's not California football that's weak. It's California recruiting and Pac-12 recruiting that's weak. Especially the California schools. They just have trouble retaining all of the California talent. You look at the Oregon, Oregon State, Washington, Arizona rosters. 30, 40% of them at least coming from California high schools. This move to the Big Ten will help UCLA and USC in that regard, I believe. So coming up next, our Dodger segment. Good hour of good stuff. I want to qualify something. We talk about Mookie Betts coming back. In the Colorado Rockies series, we recorded this Sunday morning, and then lo and behold, Mookie's in the lineup. So catch that air during the video. Sorry about that. Kind of unavoidable. Always trying to catch a moving target with these teams, especially baseball when they play every day. But good stuff. Hopefully you stick around for that. And again, check out the YouTube channel. We have some good graphics on there that will help you follow along, follow the conversation along a little better. Back in a minute. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. Right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet for up to $1,000. And looking for something to bet on? Look no further than the Dodgers in the month of July. They get the Cubs, Cardinals, Angels, and Giants all coming up. Doesn't get much better than that. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Welcome back, everybody. This is Rams Up, and we have a special episode for you, as we've been been promising for, it seems like, a month, a Dodger episode. This is going to be all about the Los Angeles Dodgers. If you check out the podcast, we'll have some other Ram news on that, but this video cast is strictly the Dodgers, and I have Paul Walia, uh, as you can see from his background, sort of a hardcore Dodger fan. And Tom Quartz, he grew up in Southern California, so he's a Dodger fan as well. How are you doing, Tom? What have you been up to? Hey, doing well. Just uh, trying to get through these dog days of the NFL and, uh, uh, you know, get ready for the season, save up the energy, and um, obviously following the first place Dodgers and excited about their season as well. And you, and you, Paul, you're uh, an interesting case, a New Yorker that's a Dodger fan. So uh, how, how have you been? What are you doing for the fourth? 
Well, um, you know, I'm, I'm here in New York, the real home of the Dodgers, right? Brooklyn, before they moved to L.A. <laughs> um, just working on my barbecue skills. I already had a barbecue yesterday, fi- you know, firing up the grill for today, later on, and then uh, getting everything ready for the 4th of July. So I'm excited. This is the last month of uh, football. This is the, really the only football-free month that we have left. Yes, and by the way, I should mention I grabbed my two free tickets to training camp. I'll be down there in Irvine. Uh, at least that's the plan. I got two tickets to go to that. If it works out, um, I'll be there for one day at least. So let's get back to the Dodgers. Um, I I've, I did the reverse curse uh, a, a few weeks ago. I mentioned that the Dodgers were in trouble, that middle of the lineup just going to crap, really. Uh, but they have bounced back. Uh, so we'll talk through – in a minute, we're going to talk through their entire roster uh, talk about you know our opinions and what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. But let's get started with. Um, I'll start with you, Tom. How did you become a Dodger fan? Probably pretty simple. Probably pretty much like how I did. Yeah, I mean, just growing up in Southern California and uh, um, just you know obviously gravitate toward the Dodgers. I really grew up with that '70s team that was you know had had so much um, consistency of their roster. It's not like these days where. You know, things turn over, although the, the the core of the Dodgers these days has had some pretty good consistency. But back in the day, you know, with our our consistent infield and all the pitchers that we had and everything else, it was a it was a good time to be a Dodger fan. And, and what, what is your Dodger fan, sorry. What, what is your earliest memory of a, a being a, a kid growing up in Southern California with respect to the Dodgers? Oh, I mean, just uh, just being out. We went to the ballpark all the time and um, just being out there. Uh, that was really the enjoyment. It was just being out there watching them and just the whole, the ambiance of a, of a major league baseball stadium is, uh, it's so different from any other sports event. Um, you know, certainly the indoor events and the, the hockey and the, and the basketball, and obviously the, the much larger venue of a football stadium, but there's something, um, big and, and intimate, but about a, uh, about a baseball stadium and, and that environment that's so unique. And um, the casualness of it and sort of the waiting, waiting, waiting for something big to happen and, you know, kind of on every pitch. So it's just that memory of, of being in the stadium that I never, never, never uh, could shake or ever would want to shake. And, and Paul, can you tell us how you became a Dodgers fan without saying the two words, Jackie Robinson? well the whole reason i became a dodger fan was jackie robinson uh i was going to catholic school in brooklyn uh this was like in uh kindergarten kindergarten um and i remember we were uh we had gone back to where the rectory was and the office where uh, the head brother uh basically his office on the wall was just all pictures of the Dodgers. And I saw, you know, pictures of Duke Snyder. And apparently uh, in our neighborhood uh, of Brooklyn, the Dodgers were just like, you know, just icons. So then we were talking a little bit. I asked him a little bit about, you know, what, who are those guys? And he told us it was me and two of my friends. And, uh, and then when we started talking, the one person that stood out was Jackie Robinson. So I actually uh, asked my mom to take me to the library and there was a book called my first book on Jackie Robinson. I kid you not in the library. And I read it. It was about eight pages. And two of the pages were the exchange between Pee Reese and Jackie Robinson, where he put his arm around him. He said, 
you know, Jackie Robinson is my friend. So I was hooked. Uh, as you get older, obviously, you learn more about Jackie Robinson and the Dodgers. And I just uh, fell in love with the Dodgers. Coincidentally, right here in New York, 77-78 World Series against the Yankees. We got to watch it on TV. I actually cried when the Dodgers lost both. But um, 1981, Fernando Mania. I experienced it firsthand at 12 years old. Um, it was incredible. Um, and then they won the World Series that year. And ever since then, it's just been Jackie Robinson and uh, the Dodgers. And I'm very, very lucky to have a hero like Jackie Robinson that not only can I look up to in sports, but also the way he lived his life in terms of uh, public service. So, you know, just in long and short, and uh, that's just basically why I love the Dodgers. And one thing about, like you were saying about the stadium, when you go to a, a baseball game, it's almost like going to like a giant family gathering. It's sort of laid back, you know, and it's like everybody there, you know, is your neighbor. Um, and I really like that feel. But, you know, one of the things, first time I went to Dodger Stadium, I was just like, I felt like I was at home. For some reason, I felt like I was home. And every time we visit uh, California, I always take the kids out to Dodger Stadium and I have uh, – you know, they love it as well. And it's been amazing. I always pick the Friday night family firework games. If anybody's ever had a chance to go to those, it's absolutely amazing. So uh, love love being a Dodger fan. Good stuff. Yeah. I mean, my my uh, how I became a Dodger fan, it, it's almost automatic if you grow up playing baseball in Southern California, which is what I did. You know, the movie Sandlot? Yes. Um, that, that is kind of similar to you know two or three years of my life i mean obviously it wasn't as glamorous as as in the movie but that's what we did we went down to the local park and played baseball if there were four of us it was over the line if there was 12 of us we'd play a game where you can't hit it to right field that type of thing <laughs> but but I, i'd have to say my mom actually made me a bigger Dodger fan than I would have been otherwise. She grew up in Philadelphia. And when we moved to California, she just became a diehard Dodger fan and the biggest Vince Scully fan on the planet. Um, my dad could really care about uh, baseball. Didn't care a hoot. But my mom never missed a game never, on the radio, on TV. She was always there. And, uh, and I'll tell you about one of my earliest memories. I don't know if you guys did this. When I played uh, boys baseball, we had, I think once or twice a year, uh, the bus trips to the stadium and, you know, the whole league or whoever wanted to go anyways, would, we'd wear our uniforms, I think just our jerseys and we pile into buses and go to the stadium. And, uh, I just don't remember. I think that's how I, the first time I went to a game might've been on a boys baseball bus. And, uh, that, that's one of my earliest memories. And, uh, as far as great memories, I was at the 1974 NL Championship Series game against the Pirates. Uh, the game Willie Stargell hit a home run that landed about 12 seats away from us. And I, I still to this day cannot believe my dad let us let my mom pull us out of school to go to a Dodger game. But, <laughs> but she did. We went we we played hooky and went to Dodger Stadium. I think it was a Wednesday. You know, that, that scene in the Sandlot when he rounds third base and then the next scene is him wearing a Dodger uniform. I still get goosebumps when I watch Oh, that. yeah, yeah. And, but, you know, growing up being a Dodger fan, you couldn't have, it was everywhere. So you had the baseball bunch when Johnny Bench and Tommy Lasorda was the dugout wizard, that show. 
we watched the baseball bunch. Uh, there was a show, an episode of the Munsters, where Branch Rickey recruits Herman Munster to play for the Dodgers. All right, right, right. So it was everywhere. There was, you know, you just couldn't escape it. Okay, so let's move on to uh, at the end of this. I'm going to have some uh, my first and four questions for you. So remind me to throw those at you. That'll be fun at the end. So let's take a look at what's going on with the Dodgers right now. The standing should be up to date. I know it's probably not the best uh, font for this uh, presentation, but in essence, it looks like the the Mets and Dodgers are the front runners in the in the National League. Uh, the Brewers will trying to fight off the Cardinals. Padres, you got to hand it to the Padres, even though the Dodgers just seem to have their number. You know, they've been at, been without their best player all year, and they're still hanging. Uh, and I, I think we may hear from the Atlanta Braves uh, before all is said and done. Um, any comments on the standings? Anything we should discuss here? I mean, I just think this this this, uh, this series with the Padres is huge, and the fact that the that the Lakers are, or I mean, the Dodgers, the Dodgers are starting to. Uh, exert themselves and you know um a few of the bats are coming alive is a good sign with other guys coming back so this was a good time to get right for sure because this if this went the other way um things could have uh things could have people would have started getting a little nervous atlanta we definitely are going to hear from that lineup is downright scary that lineup from top to bottom is downright scary there's a there's a lot of firepower there so we'll definitely hear from atlanta I guess we're lucky we have Fred, Freddie Freeman, and we'll talk about that uh, that controversy with his agent here before we're done. So this is uh, just the key stats from the key players that I threw together. This is a few days old. Uh, I think it's representative, though. Trey Turner has been tearing it up. Uh, from what I understand, I don't have the data. I did not dig for the data, but I was told that he is doing really well from that leadoff spot. And Freddie's been tearing it up. Gavin Lux, something that we're bound to talk about here before we're done. Batting eighth and ninth in this so-called, what do they call it? The second or third leadoff spot. You guys know what I'm referring to there? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's uh, to me. And again, this is something that's probably coming from the data analytics upstairs, but I'm sorry. I don't get it. Uh, Mookie. And I think Mookie will be back this week is my understanding. And uh, Will this Smith, weekend. is he the yep, this He should be back, yep, before yeah. the future. Yeah, Colorado, yeah. And uh, Will Smith, is he the best hitting catcher in baseball? I don't. He seems like he must be at the top, near the top. He is probably one of the, for the Dodgers anyway, he is probably one of their best clutch hitters. He is just right. absolutely clutch. He's Jock Peterson-esque sometimes when he comes up with those big home runs. I love it. Uh, and then... Chris Taylor, uh, I always loved Chris Taylor. Now, you look at these averages, what's so really interesting. I should have mentioned this at the top. Chris Taylor is batting 244. And I heard someone uh, during the game yesterday, I was watching a little bit of it yesterday or the day before, and they mentioned, you know, uh, it was someone, it might have been Taylor, someone, hey, he's only batting 245, 246. That's basically the league average at this point. You know, it used to be 246, and you're like, hey, this guy's going to get sent down, but. But now the league averages are, are so far down, so so much down that, um, you know, Chris Taylor batting 244 really isn't that bad. Uh, but those bottom three, 
I don't know, Justin Turner starting to get it turned around a little bit, I guess. Any any thoughts on these on these key guys or stats? Yeah, I was gonna say the uh yeah, it's interesting. This is, it always seems to be the way with the Dodgers is is that there's a couple of guys who aren't performing in the um at the beginning of the year or in the middle of the year, going to these extended slumps. And um, you know, a couple of key guys. I mean, we've seen Bellinger now, he's He's been on the list for a couple of years in a row and, yeah. uh, and then other guys step up and um, to kind of take the, uh, uh, you know, take the pressure off Mookie, you know, had a horrible start and, um, and then just completely turned it around and, and um, not only with, uh, with average, but power. And, um, but he's, you know, 275, 273 is not his, you know, that's not the standard for Mookie, but, um, but yeah, it's just, it's interesting to see these, uh, there's always a few guys that start slow or, or have a slow middle. And then um, we'll see what happens when they turn it around. But when we're talking about the, the lineup and the fact that, that Robert sticks with these guys in their spot, he might move them around from, you know, fourth to fifth or sixth or something like that, but in general sticks with the guys and um, lets them play through it. And the fact that the team has so much depth to be able to do that is amazing. Um, obviously both on the uh, fielding side as well as on the pitching side to be able to stay in first place despite having you know, Justin Turner and Cody Bellinger and Max Muncy all, you know, low 200s um, or, or worse. And it's, uh, it's, it's really quite a testament to the depth of the, um, the depth of the roster. Yeah. What about you, Paul? Yeah. One thing that sort of, you know, right off the bat is, so remember we had the lockout. So spring training was, basically reduced significantly. So one of the things I'm, I wonder is that particularly when it came to the injuries to the pitchers, how much of that played into it and not having the, you know, the pitchers didn't have time to really get themselves, you know, work up to their normal, I guess, routine and um, just getting themselves stretched out before the season started. So that's just one thing to keep in the back of our minds, right? How much did that play into it? Uh, particularly for pitchers, that's very, very significant. Secondly, also for these hitters, right, getting sort of getting into shape, uh, all the different drills, you know, so spring training from baseball is not like it is in football, but, you know, it's still very, very important. So just to sort of like uh, preface everything, I, I'm pretty sure that factored into the slow starts for some of the Dodger hitters, particularly someone like Justin Turner. Justin Turner, you see with that leg kick, he has a lot of moving parts in his swing. So, um, you know, I could see him starting to turn it around now. But, you know, the one thing that jumps out at me every time I watch the Dodgers is the scenario with Trey Turner and Mookie Betts. I know a lot of Dodger fans out there um, know what I'm referencing is, you know, Trey Turner's hit out of the number three spot for a, a large portion of his time with the Dodgers. And that's part of two reasons. When Mookie Betts first came over, uh, they had him hit in the three. They had him hit in the two. They had him hit in the one. And he always had the most success at the one. So, you know, they... Mookie Betts being our primetime player, obviously you defer to that spot. However, Trey Turner, without question, is the best leadoff hitter in baseball. Okay, the kid hit a the kid won a batting title, led the league in stolen bases, right, hitting out of the top spot. So you know, at some point they have to understand that Mookie Betts standing on second base, you know, and not being driven in is like an all too reoccurring theme. What they need to do is let Trey Turner stay at the top spot. Let Mookie Betts hit Mookie Betts hit second, and then let Freddie Freeman hit third. 
And I think the Dodgers will run, uh, will produce runs at a much more consistent rate, and they'll be much more potent in terms of their overall lineup. Right now, their middle of the order is not as intimidating when you take a look at other lineups, and I, for a lot of different reasons, right? You know, Justin Turner's still dangerous, but he's definitely a player in decline. Cody Bellinger is just a shell of his former self, and he's only 26. I always remind people that the kid's only 26 years old, so he's still got plenty of time to turn it around. And Max Muncy is still uh, working his way back from that horrible injury. So I think that's one of the first things that they have to do. Freddie Freeman was a great signing, an absolutely perfect signing for the Dodgers. Um, but I think him hitting out of the number three hole and then Mookie ahead of him, number one, the Dodgers have more speed on this roster. And as a Jackie Robinson fan, you see the smile on my face, right? They have more speed on this roster than ever before, particularly the starting lineup. Between, you know, you have Gavin Lux, you have Trey Turner, you have Mookie Betts, you have Chris Taylor. So they can blaze it up on the uh, on the base path. So they really need to take advantage of that. But um, the question for the Dodgers really is really who's going to be their primary RBI men coming out of the four and five slot. That's going to be the big deal. They have their top three, Turner, Betts, and Freeman, are as good as any three in baseball. No question about it. So, you know, I think the rest of their lineup, you know, Chris Taylor got a huge contract. He's getting $15 million a year. So he's not a utility guy anymore. So uh, he's going to have to produce some runs as well. So there's going to be a lot more expected out of him. Um, so basically the left field slot is his um, for the remainder of the season. So it's going to be an interesting – and I think the key to this lineup is really going to be Max Muncy's health. Um they definitely should not have him playing the field. I think they're absolutely nuts to have Muncy out there taking, uh, playing over at second base and third base because uh, the most recent article I read was that his elbow is not going to be ready for a while. So he should be DHing full time, uh, and they should not take a chance of him being out in the field and getting hurt again. But um, Muncy's really going to be the key to this lineup for the rest of the year, his health. Yeah. Before we move on to uh, looking at each uh, roster group, uh, I just want to mention Cody Ballinger. It's kind of a shame because, you know, you mentioned his speed. I mean, he is so fast, and I feel like, I feel like he would have been. He's playing in the wrong era. If he was playing in the '80s, he'd be hitting doubles, triples up the alley, hitting balls to the to the left side and beating it out. Uh, but in this era, it's all about the home runs. And he, he still has a beautiful swing, but it's a big swing, right? And I don't know. Um, I, I thought they had worked on him uh, perhaps shortening his swing and just making contact more often, but just haven't seen it come to pass. So these are the starting pitchers. Uh, I think this is the current rotation. Of course, Walker, Walker Bueller is out. Um, and Dustin May, he's been hurt all year. And... Dare I mention uh, Trevor Bauer, who uh, I guess is now an ex-Dodger. But uh, any thoughts on this uh, rotation? Gonzalez, I mean, I think, I think he's actually 10-0 now, right? He won the other night. Uh, pretty solid rotation, right? Tom, you want to lead off? <laughs> well, obviously, uh, the issue here is, um, is Walker Bueller, right? I mean, he's... He's out until September at the earliest. Uh, and um, so that's a major blow, right? You're essentially your ace at this point in time is gone. 
for the majority, you know, for, for the next couple of months at least. Uh, and, you know, they're going to be very careful bringing him back. Um, so, you know, can, I can almost see a, you know, back in, you know, with a start or two before the playoffs um, and, uh, and go from there. But uh, yeah, but obviously Gonsolin and Anderson are the big surprises. Um, Julio's had a up and down year, uh, good ERA, a little bad luck here and there, but um, yeah, Bueller's the big loss. Uh, Kershaw seems to be throwing well. Um, and then they're just going to have to go with some, uh, find another guy or, or go with some, uh, um, you know, go with some, uh, bullpen games and whatnot. Uh, they are getting a lot of, we'll get into some of the, uh, I think some of the, um, injuries and who's coming back to, you know, to bolster up this crew. But, um, uh, yeah, the Bueller loss is the big standout, but, uh, and, and on the, on the loss side and then Gonsolin and Anderson certainly stepping up were huge surprises. Yeah. And the, you know, when you look at uh, this rotation and obviously losing butane was huge, right? That kid is just, as the kids say, that kid is fire, right? But uh, hopefully he'll come back this year. They also, you know, he got a bone spur removed also from his elbow. Recently he had a a small procedure because he has that flexor strain, which has him out until September. But uh, in the interim, they also removed a bone spur from his elbow, which is interesting. They said it would not impact his return date. Um, just to keep that in the back of our minds. But um, when you look at this uh, rotation without him, how important was it the Dodgers invested in their young players? You have the, the quiet assassin Julio Urias, who is, you know, just, we like to call him the little ace, right? But, you know, and then now Goslin, Catman, right? They were patient with him. He had sort of a up and down year last year, but now look at it. His he's got great stuff. When you watch him pitch, his mix of pitches is as good as there is out there. And now he has the confidence, but more importantly, command. That's been the difference this year. He's been aggressive and he has the command. And look at those numbers. It's unbelievable. Look at that whip, 0.85. That is absolutely tremendous. Tyler Anderson has been an absolute revelation. Um, you love that. And, you know, we have to have our obligatory lefty with the awkward delivery now that Alex Wood is gone. And there we go. We got Tyler Anderson, if you watch him pitch, very reminiscent of Alex Wood with that awkward delivery. And then you got Clayton Kershaw. Now, Clayton Kershaw, if he can come back, and obviously if he's healthy and he can be consistent, he can help stabilize this rotation for the rest of the year. And that's going to be crucial. Um, Obviously, you got Heaney as well. So if you look at the Dodger rotation right now, pretty interesting. Four lefties. Four lefties in the rotation. Very, very interesting. Um, Dodgers always were a righty-heavy pitching unit. This year, lefties. So I think Clayton Kershaw still has a lot left of the tank, and he's going to help stabilize this unit. Brian May, uh, (laughs) Brian May from the guitarist Queen, right? so May Day is supposed to be back August or September. August is what they have him penciled in. So if he can come back, right, and if he can come back in time, uh, think about that. What a boost it would be for this rotation, particularly if Butane's not coming back this year. So that's something to look forward to. Obviously, they can ease him back in. And if he's, you know, anywhere close to what he was uh, previous years, it's going to be huge for the Dodgers. So, um Keep our fingers crossed that uh, Butane is back. But if not, May might be uh, available to us as well. 
Thoughts, Tom? Yeah, I mean, I uh, agree. Haney and uh, uh, May coming back. I mean, Haney uh, has only had three starts, I think, something like that. And, um, you know, with his uh, shoulder issues. And, um, but he, you know, his three starts, he has pitched well. And so uh, if he can get healthy, we get May back, uh, as Paul said. And um, we'll see what happens with Bueller. But, uh, yeah, we definitely need some reinforcements in that starting uh, in that starting pitching uh, rotation for sure. I mean, we, we, you, anything can happen these days with these pitchers, we, as we know. And the ex, you know, to expect that that uh, Julio or Gons, Gonsal and Anderson and, and certainly Clayton are all going to continue to be healthy is, um, you know, that would be great. That's what we're all hoping for. But uh, these guys, these guys typically – um, you know, go down at some point for some period of time. So just keep our fingers crossed. Well, we'll get to the injuries here. We really covered this pretty much already. Uh, you know, Mookie's coming back very soon, probably this week. Dustin May, my understanding is he's getting closer and he'll be a big addition to the starting lineup, starting rotation, right? Walker Bueller, we talked about him. Uh, Daniel Hudson, he just got hurt recently, right? So he's looks like he's out for the year. Uh, a couple other guys are also injured. Um, I think we've talked enough about the injuries already. Let's move on to the uh, starting rotation. Well, we talked about this as well. Um, pretty solid there. Uh, these are the relief pitchers. Um, and again, we've already talked about this. Uh, anything to add? You know, so what's the deal with David Price? I'm sorry, I'm out of the loop on this. <laughs> Is I he... think I think all of the Dodger Nation is out of the loop on what on David Price and how they utilize him on whether or not he is going to be a factor. It's just so puzzling in terms of you know his utilization going back to last year. It just does doesn't make sense. You know they were desperate for a starter uh, for like a, a spot starter and they they didn't utilize him. And when they did, it was just sort of you could just see they had like zero confidence in him. But you know, the relief pitchers. So I think the Almonte was a good pickup. Um, the kid from Colorado, he's pitched uh, fairly well. I think I have, they call him Showtime. I uh, got him down 19 innings, 1.37 ERA, not bad. Uh, now, if you take a look at a Bruiser, Bruzdar, he's been doing really, really well. He's been turning it around. I think between him, between he and Kimbrell at the top, if they can become a consistent, formidable one-two punch, I think that's going to help the Dodgers tremendously. Evan Phillips has been a real find. Avesia is starting to turn it around. He's been a tough lefty, and they need another lefty. There's no question about it. Take a look at what you see on screen, right? They definitely need another tough lefty. Uh, the kid, Justin Brule, uh, they've used him, um, but he's back down in the minors again. I like what I see with him. He's a big kid. Um, shows a lot of moxie when he's out there. Uh, Victor Gonzalez, I think they uh, he had an elbow surgery. He's not due back until August. He was the other lefty. So Dodgers are short on lefties. That's what they need, some lefties coming out of the pen. But I think a Bruiser and um, Kimbrell, those two at the top have to become more consistent. And I think as the season moves on, I think they're going to get better. I think th that's a nice combination. I think I think Bruiser is going to uh, surprise a lot of people this year, particularly in the second half of the year, once he finds his rhythm. Um, once he learns that he doesn't have to throw at 99 miles an hour every pitch, he learns how to actually, you know, outthink the batters because uh, he's got that devastating pitch. 
Um, I think he's going to be super effective. He's a star in the making. Um, but Mitch White's also been tough too. He's been he's been their spot starter. They've called on him a really tough occasion. Did a great job last year in the playoffs too. So um, I like what I see in Mitch White. He's going to be a real real weapon for them. Uh, long relief, uh, getting quality innings. The one thing that Dave Roberts has to do better, he cannot burn out his bullpen. He has to understand that he cannot burn out this bullpen as they try to solidify their rotation uh, through all these injuries. And um, so that's going to be, you know, really um, the make or break for the Dodgers this season is how this bullpen is able to hold up for the whole season. You know, they do have Ryan Pepiot. Uh, and then Bobby Miller, those are their two young prospects. Uh, Pepio uh, has some command issues and whether or not they're going to let him actually be a starter full time because uh, Dodger philosophy is hate base on balls. Right. And he has a really high BB number. But in the I think I have him down for he's averaging a strikeout an inning when he's with the Dodgers. So the kids got some phenomenal stuff. And Bobby Miller, Bobby Miller just lights out. He just lights out. So whether this is his year or next year, um, I don't know uh, whether they're going to call him up or not, but I think it would be great to see both these guys get an extended audition. I think uh, when you can find young stars from within, particularly when it comes to pitching, that can, that can put you over the top. So I think those two definitely deserve uh, an extended look. Yeah, a couple other guys we get back. Um, uh, Blake Trinan is a big uh, missing piece. Um, he's always been a, you know, that key setup guy uh, probably could have been the, uh, the closer or actually stepped in on a closer role a few times when Kenley was a little shaky. And uh, so he's a big, uh, you know, he had, he had the shoulder issue um, out for another month. Uh, plus we're not really sure when he's coming back, but that'll be a big addition to the, again, the, the top of that um, top of that closing staff. And, uh, and maybe Caleb Ferguson, he'll be back soon. Um, so there's a few guys, uh, Tommy Conley, maybe a few guys that are, um, you know, in the mix to come back and, and reinforce. But uh, yeah, the David Price issue, he just went on leave again, I think. And they brought Brule back up um, temporarily to take a split, to, to give Brule another shot. But yeah, the, the, uh, the David Price is just sort of this, this uh, superstar, just sort of uh, hanging around at the end of his career, it seems like. And, he opted out during the COVID year and, and it's just a, you know, it's just a, a weird situation there, but yeah, I think the relief pitching staff, there's a lot of guys, um, you know, Bickford, we didn't mention uh, shout out to uh, Oaks Christian uh, and uh, my old hometown down there in thousand Oaks, um, Newberry park uh, where his family's from. Um, hey, uh, Phil Bickford uh, trivia for everybody. Did, uh, do you know who Phil Bickford was traded for. I do not know. Will Smith. Did you know that? No. But not the Will Smith that we're talking about. It was the, the Atlanta pitcher. The, the Atlanta pitcher. Yeah. So. Uh, oh, okay. I threw that to people, and they, oh my gosh, Will Smith. I didn't really know. Yeah, Phil. Uh, Giants traded for him, um, and uh, traded him, and then uh, traded for him, and then they uh, they ultimately released him, and he was claimed off waivers by the Dodgers. And, so. Yeah, Tran and I glossed over him. He was, uh, I'm sure he was listed on that injury page I glossed over. Trinan's interesting because uh, what the injury update 
they vary from week to week. So, so you'll have articles where they'll say he's out for the year. Then you have articles that are saying like the most recent one, he has resumed throwing at 120 feet. Yeah. So, okay. Hey. Good. I don't watch uh, enough Dodger games and, and I don't keep up on things. And there's been a couple of times where I saw Bickford on the mound, uh, a shot from center field. And I go, Oh, Dustin May's back. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not Dustin May. Uh, I just missed the days when it was Tom Diedenfuhr and Steve Howe. And that's all you needed to talk about. Uh, the, the modern baseball, they got this whole stable of relievers that they can pull from. And uh, it's hard to keep up on it. But, okay, let's move on to uh, we got our infielders. Uh, we all know about these guys, obviously. The one guy that I think has really stepped up, Gavin Lux. We'll talk about him a little bit more at the end here. Uh, Muncie's struggling. Uh, the one thing the Dodgers have is a lot of flexibility, especially with uh, – Trey Turner and Gavin Lux can play multiple positions, as can Max Muncy. But pretty set on the infield there. Any thoughts? I mean, Freddie. I mean, Freddie Freeman is just a rock at first base, defensively and offensively. Unbelievable, uh, perfect signing for the Dodgers in every way. Fits fits Dodger blue perfectly. Um, you know, Muncy. Like I said, I mean. If what we're reading is correct about his elbow, I mean, they really should like somebody else. They really need to pick up somebody to get handle uh, some, you know, some more of that playing time at their base. I mean, like, you know, nothing that they have to go over the top with, but like a Brandon Drury or someone like that who could really give you some quality starts at third base and also give Justin Turner a break as well. Uh, Turner at DH would be very formidable. But, um, yeah, and I, as for you were saying about Gavin Lux, I mean, this kid, you know, listen, there was a lot expected of this kid. Uh, they said early on they weren't going to trade him. He was their top prospect. They wanted him uh, in the organization. They gave him a shot at second base. Um, he's been rock solid in the field. And to your point about where he's hitting in the lineup, think about how valuable it is. You know, when we when before the DH, right, it was flipped that lineup, right? Get the picture, get the pitcher out, right? Get it to back to the top of the lineup. If you can get that hit so that the pitcher spot is out of the order for and not leading off the next inning, uh, that was a big deal. But now with the DH, you have to have a table setter at the bottom of the lineup. So that's where Gavin Lux has been been uh really, really formidable. So, so one you're, of the, you're okay with him batting at the bottom? Absolutely, absolutely. So if you look at his slugging numbers, his slugging numbers are 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 down. There's no question about it. I think he's like 398 or something like that with a slug. But his average is rock solid. He's getting on base. He's got a great clip when it comes to his OBP. So what that means is he's getting on base. He's clogging up those base paths. Listen, when you get runners on base and you force those pitchers to pitch from the stretch, it makes a big deal. Really does. And that's that's the part of the the ins and outs of baseball that sometimes people overlook. So your point in the begin at the top of the segment was spot on. Having him down there uh is really, really more valuable than people realize. And, and listen, he's a quality kid. They love him in the clubhouse. Every sports center shot is a Gavin Luck doing something that's got somebody in the lineup cracking up or something like that. He keeps it loose. He's like Kike. He reminds me a lot of Kike. Now the Kike, we should still have him here, but that's 
That's an aside I'll talk about later. Kike should should have been a Dodger uh, for the rest of his career, but he's like Kike. He keeps the clubhouse loose. So does Hanser Alberto. Um, you know that's you know that's his major contribution because uh, Alberto can't hit a lick. So, but um, you know he's a utility guy. Uh, we also have Kevin Pillar too, uh, as an outfielder who has like a very similar role as a utility role, but also. Uh, a quality clubhouse presence. So um, I like I like this group. I definitely think they need to pick up somebody, like I said, like Brandon Drury, who can help out at third base a little bit more. They have a young prospect uh, we'll talk about probably later. Um, but I definitely see that, um, you know, Muncie's what I'm always worried about is him playing the field because every time he plays the field, he winds up getting hurt. <laughs> so, you need to save him from himself sometimes until he's fully healthy. Anything to yeah. add, Tom? Yeah, the loss of Rios was a big blow, I think, um, earlier on uh, that third base spot, just because, um, you know, like you said, Muncie and Turner both have already been mentioned in in this podcast as uh, as uh, great candidates for full time DH. <laughs> we obviously can't do that. Not only that, but the, that's not the Dodger way, right? The Dodgers are set up to to rotate guys, have guys like Lux and Muncie who are very flexible and where they play uh, infield outfield that, you know, that, that, uh, that, you know, that role that, you know, you're talking about Kike and um, Chris Taylor have played historically uh, and then get in with the, with the DH now um, the national league, the ability to give those guys a day off, but still hit, they used to get them a day off and then they'd pinch hit. Um, that was more typical. And uh, so there's a, yeah, any full-time, any talk of a full-time DH is, is not something I, I believe that this team wants to do. Um, so I think Max is going to have to continue to play um, in the infield. Uh, and, um, you know, Justin Turner is going to need to get spelled. And, you know, to your point, Paul, who's going to do it? And so I think uh, I agree. I think bringing in another, uh, another utility infielder um, slash third baseman would be a, a big help. And Rios, according to the uh, most recent update, he's out until after the All-Star break. They have confirmed grade three or four hamstring tear. Yeah. That's a massive, massive power loss right there. Yeah. And, and, and that third, then, you know, to your point, that third, that third base, um, uh, you know, that third base uh, spelling for, uh, you know, Turner, so. Onto the outfielders, the uh, Dodgers were able to pick up Trace Thompson, bring him back. Uh, he's already contributed some. Um, Cody Ballinger. Mookie's not listed here, obviously. He'll be uh, back on the field pretty quick. Uh, this was captured a few days ago, so I didn't include Mookie. Uh, but moving forward, obviously, he's the centerpiece of that outfield. Uh, Chris Taylor and, and Cody will be rounding out the the outfield for the most part, I assume, through the rest of the season, barring injury. And then uh, I like our catchers, Will Smith and Austin Barnes, uh, really complement each other. Um, I see sometimes they put Barnes at catcher and Will Smith uh, as a DH. I assume that's uh, a pattern against left-handed pitching. Um, so like our catchers, outfielders, the starting three are pretty darn good as long as Cody eventually picks it up, right? Yeah, he uh such an enigma. He started off the season well and he was, you know, he's back and he's given us a few of those glimpses over over the last couple of years ever since he fell off. 
that, oh, I think he, he's back. And they worked with him all off season. Here he is. And then next thing you know, so, um, you know, going back to a football reference, right? Just, just because this is the Rams up podcast is it reminds me of, uh, of what teams de- defenses did and Belichick in particular did to take away, uh, you know, sort of half the playbook of, of McVay's playbook when golf was in there. And um, certainly when once Gurley went down and the play action wasn't as big of a threat anymore. It's similar to what I feel like with Bellinger. I feel like they can work on some things and, and, um, and work on a, a pitch that, you know, that the, the, the pit, the, that the other teams were consistently getting him out on and he could, he could go to that and he could, he could start to make, you know, hit that pitch and things look, things look great. And then, but unfortunately, there's just too many holes in that huge swing of his um, to get to. Uh, once it starts, it's it's hard to adjust. And um, so, in other words, other other pitching coaches and pitchers can just come up with another pitch that just he just can't adjust to, and right. or it takes him too long to adjust to. So, uh, I feel like there's just too many holes in that in that uh, in that swing of his that 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 people can pick um, pick apart. So. Uh, but I, I, it's nice to see guys like, you know, uh, Alvarez, Lamb, Thompson being able to come in and pitch in. And uh, the Dodgers are very good at that, picking up very good players and um, making them part-time players to, uh, you know, to um, fill the gaps as needed. Let's see. Uh, I tried to capture – I just went to a couple of websites, tried to find a list of um, the top Dodger prospects – and uh, I don't know if we'll be seeing any of these guys this season. Bobby Miller is a guy you mentioned him already, didn't you, Paul? Yeah, I, I love that kid. Um, what's interesting, most recently, read something on him on um, Dodger Blue that um, he just got introduced to analytics. So talk about, you know, interesting. So uh, he was raving about this concept of analytics, and they're trying to get him to understand how hitters are attacking him and how he should attack pitchers. So here's a kid with all this natural talent, and now that the mental aspect of the game is being introduced to him, and it's, you know this is what it's all about. This is all about player development. That article, if it highlights anything to these uh, young players out there, is about this concept of player development, uh, expanding the various aspects of your game. And he's just being introduced to that. And this kid just has all the natural talent in the world. So, yeah, and Michael Bush is just hitting the snot out of the ball. Uh, Miguel Vargas as well. Uh, Miguel Vargas is considered to be the best pure hitter the Dodgers have right now. That's uh, close to MLB ready. So interestingly enough, they have him listed as a third baseman. He has um, some deficiencies in the field, but love would love to see his young bat uh, in the lineup sometime just to uh, get some, some seasoning. The kids, you know, looks like he's ready to play. How much more is he going to learn down there in AAA? Bring him up, let him get his hacks because the kid can hit. He looks like a young Pedro Guerrero out there, the way he hits and the way he can't play third base. So, but um, bum bum, right? So, uh, that's right. Um, Bush also, um, a pretty high regarded prospect. They remind, remind people of Max Munthy, he can hit the snot out of the ball. Where exactly do you play him defensively? That's been the thing, right? Second base, first base. And any of these guys, normally you would put them at first base. Freddie Freeman's not coming off first base anytime soon. We all know that. So that's going to be the quandary for uh, for the Dodgers. Some DH action maybe. I don't know. Maybe some 
uh, reps at second, some third, whatever it may be. But these two young kids can hit. And then Ryan Pepio also, he and Miller together, like I said, could really booster the rotation. And whether they use Pepio as a reliever or as a starter, probably more as a reliever. I mean, the kids, the kids pitch mix. If he was allowed to go out there for an inning or two innings, right, and just gas it up, and he's got a nice uh, fastball changeup, and there are people who have built their whole career around that. Their two best pitches being fastball and changeup. So I think uh, he's he's tailor made for that one inning, two inning slot uh, until he gets a little bit more seasoning and maybe enter the rotation. But I would love to see Bobby Miller get a shot. Yeah, and don't forget about our number one, Kataya, Kataya, and yeah. you know, but but that he's he's probably ready, um, maybe even has been for a year, uh, but there's no room there, and I think he's a he's a prime, uh, the prime trade prospect for the Dodgers, and um, for to go after somebody, uh, they they love to make that big move mid year to for the push, right? When you're in the in the window like the Dodgers are. Um, you gotta you gotta kind of push some chips in, and uh, you know like they did last year with uh, with Scherzer and whatnot. So uh, they always seem to do it, and um, they're not afraid to trade away some of these young guys to to go for it. And uh, I re- I love that. Uh, you know, there's <laughs> when you're in the window, you know, only a only a World Series championship will do. So right. go get go get pieces, and and obviously we're covered a catcher. It's not like we're uh, you know maybe a if we're talking about a third baseman or something like that, a different, a different player, a different position group, but a catcher were covered with Will Smith for years to go to come. And um, that guy's a prime prospect. And I, I expect them to trade him by before the end of the year for something significant. And, and remember uh, just recently Mookie went out publicly. He said Barnes should be, should wear the C. Don't you think that's interesting, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's not even the starting catcher, and think about that. That's that's the value of that guy in the clubhouse. That your best player is saying, "This guy right here, he needs to wear the C." Yeah, well, historically, I mean, this would be a this could be actually a fun little exercise at some point in time. But backup catchers are historically, um, you know, some of the smartest guys on the team. They 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 don't get a lot of play time, but they mm-hmm. have to be extremely knowledgeable about every other player, every other, you know, all pitchers. And they're just, they have enough time on their hands to, to uh, help the team in in all of the different ways that they do if they're, and a lot of those guys go on to become managers and uh, you know, backup catchers. Look, it's a long list of backup catchers who are, who have been great managers. And look for the Dodgers. So they've always had those guys. So you got from that combination of Jaeger and Sosha, then you had, remember when Rick Dempsey came in, and he was the, putting in those. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, absolutely. So, I, I love that. I love that aspect of it to have that. But yeah, Cart Cartaya, and remember the deal. The the trade piece last year was Ruiz, our top one of our top catching prospects. We they had two. They chose to keep Diego. So it's yeah. interesting. I think they might hold on to him. I think this kid is. You know who they re- compare him to? Pablo Sandoval. Wow. He's one of my favorite players. Right, they compare him to Pavel Sandoval. I think they're going to hold on to this kid. I really yeah, how you can only hold on to a guy so long in the minors, though. I mean, with what are they going to do with you know, bring yeah. him up? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. We got we got plenty of chips to play with this time. Yeah, I, I, I got my I got my fearsome four questions for you if you're ready. 
Uh, before it. I start, I think we I think what we all agree on is so the Dodgers need to square away that middle bottom half of their order. Those three guys got to start hitting, uh, start carrying more of the load. Uh, they need Walker Bueller back for the playoffs. That'll be a, a big addition. Uh, other than that, other than that, I think they're in really good shape. I uh, got a lot of guys stepping up: Trey Turner, Freddie Freeman, Gavin Lux. So let's get on to my fearsome four questions, and I'll, I'll let you each take turns answering these. And I think Paul, you already you already answered one of them: uh, who bats leadoff when Mookie comes back? And I know, well, we already know your answer: T squared. Right. And how, do you agree, Tom? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't know if the Dodgers will do it. I, I think that, um, you know, this is something that, uh, you know, Mookie, I think, I think they'll go to Mookie and ask him. And I think he would say, absolutely. And he'll bat anywhere. I mean, that's the kind of team player he is. Um, and uh, so I, I think they will keep Trey at the leadoff spot. Um, but, you know, the, the big question is, uh, you know, Trey is a free agent next year. And a lot of people think he's not coming back. There's a lot of talk about the fact that he is a, um, you know, East Coast guy through and through with his family and so forth. I know he's always kind of wanted to get back there from day one. Um, not sure they're going to bring him back or that he wants to come back. Uh, obviously, they, they want him back. But um, I don't know how much that plays into it. Uh, you know, we talked about Mookie being the, the, you know, the backbone of this team going forward. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. That, that kind of plays into it in the back of my mind. I, I, having said that, I think that, he will, you know, he'll say, I'll bat anywhere, and they'll leave Trey up top. Think of how many fastballs Mookie's going to see with Trey Turner standing on first base. Think about that. Mookie's yeah. going to win a batting title this year if that happens. Okay, for some, for some question number two, and some you may have already answered this as well. Who are the two Dodgers uh, that they need to move away from next year? Who are the two Dodgers they need to put in their rearview mirror? I mean, I will say it. I know they're, it's not going to be popular. I know I'm going to get a lot of angry emails and text messages and Twitter posts, but they got to move away from our buddy. Um, they got to move away from Kershaw and they got to move away from Turner. There's just no way around it. There's just no way around it. That's all. That's a. Uh, Did you say Turner and Kershaw? Turner and Kershaw. They have to. Oh, Kershaw, I wasn't expecting Kershaw. Kershaw, listen, look, his injury history speaks for itself. Listen, it's and a lot of the great pitchers in the latter part and the twilight of their career, that's been the scenario. Uh, but the amount of money, and not that money is an issue for the Dodgers, we know that. However, I think um, it's time to go out and bring in some guys that can give you um, a solid season uh, or that are a little bit more reliable in terms of the injury history. T Turner, same thing. I mean – it also goes, you know, in terms of the role on the team. So here's the thing. How do you move from having such a prominent role to a diminished role? And that's, you know, if they if they can do that in a way uh, for both players, you know, I think it would be great. You know, I thought they were going to do that with Justin Turner this year. It hasn't happened and largely because of the injuries. Um, but, yeah, I think at some point they're going to have to uh, – they're going to have to move on. Yeah. Tom? Yeah. Um, you know, with, with respect to Kershaw, 
I mean, he's, he's, he's on a one-year deal, I think, this year. It's, it's you know, 15, 17, or something like that. It's, it's pretty, you know, he's, I think he's, after getting that World Series win, I think he's just, you know, sort of going to play it out. I don't think he's the, he might end up, you know, going back to the Rangers or something to play near his house or, you know, for a couple of years, like a lot of these guys do, and just be home more. But, um, but I think he can stick around, and he's, he's clearly, uh, you know, sort of a, this elder statesman leader, uh, he's the guy that spoke up against Freddie Freeman. And uh, so I, I can see him sticking around on a year-by-year basis. Um, and then at some point kind of having a, uh, a you know, couple of years in Texas just to draw some fans out there and, um, and then come back for a, you know, one-day contract or whatever they do so he can retire a Dodger, something like that. But I, I don't think Kershaw's the guy. He's, he's um, you know, he's not costing very much and he's, he's being so much to the team. And he can still pitch a little bit. So I, I think, uh, but I do agree with um, the Justin Turner. It is time to move on. He is clearly in decline. Um, and uh, so, and then the other guy I would say is Cody Bellinger. I mean, we, we can't have a center fielder hitting 220. And no matter how good he is uh, defensively, there's a lot of very good defensive um, center fielders. Uh, and they can hit, you know, 260 or 280 and um, and so forth. So I, I see that I... I I can see the Dodgers moving on from Justin uh, Turner and Cody Bellinger. Bellinger and Bellinger's on a one-year deal too, seventeen million. Yeah, and I'm surprised neither of you mentioned Max Muncy. That would have been uh, he would have been top of my list. But okay, uh, here's some question number four: Will Trey Turner be a Dodger next year? <laughs> I think I answered that one already. I'll let you go, Paul. <laughs> So, so here's the thing. Turner's making 21 million now. Here's that's the issue. He's making 21 million now. How much higher are you going to go to keep him on the squad? So, if you think about it, so defensively, regardless of the offensive part of it, with Taylor Bellinger and Betts, I mean, you could argue that's one of the top defensive outfields in baseball. No question about it. Now you got Freeman, Lux. Turner and whoever our third baseman turns out to be, let's say it's Turner for now. Right. So uh, if you think about that, that's a, that's a rock solid infield as well. So the thing is, you know, I love Turner. The issue is, you know, and the Dodgers, this is more of an internal discussion is, are they going to utilize Turner the way that it maximizes his skill set offensively? You're starting to see a little bit, of the frustration on his face too, and his play and his body language. You know, I don't know if you saw the the uh, the exchange he had with the reporter about. Um, remember that game where he didn't where he he, he misread a, a double. Freddie Freeman, I think, hit a double and he misread it, and he wound up only at second base. So, um, the key is if he's not that type of player that they feel is going to fit into their system moving forward, then they need to they need to move on from now. Interestingly. The one player that I love, the reunion that would get Mookie Betts supercharged. Not that he needs to get to Xander Bogarts. Think about that. Let's talk. Let's talk shortstop action for a little bit. What about this? So you got you got TT right. He's in the last year of his deal. Bogarts technically is in the last year of his deal, even though he's signed to 2025. He's allowed to opt out. Now the only downside to this is. Um, uh, Bogart is a Boros client, and we know how the Dodgers feel about Scott Boros. So, um, however, 
you never know for rental for the rest of this year that trade makes sense if they know they're not going to stick with turner moving forward go get ballarts put him in there that kid can hit them three slot four slot wherever you want to put him he will carry your lineup and think about all the guys in front of him freeman bet trade uh, well turner won't be there but think about your one through three that's just mind-boggling so i personally think the issue is going to be is how much more can you possibly give Turner if you're not going to be able to utilize him the way like legitimately every year, annual batting title um, competitor, that type of thing. So, you know, it's leading the league in stolen bases, leading the league in on base percentage, that type of thing. If you're not going to utilize him that way, then then don't sign him because it's, it's not going to work. And it hasn't worked. It hasn't really worked. So, uh, but the exa- the Xander Bogarts thing has always been on my mind, thinking if they did that swap for the rest of the year, like they've done before as a rental, and then work then work on you know you might want to sign him, you might want to sign him and keep him at sure. The kid I think he's only twenty nine, he's might be twenty eight I think twenty eight or twenty nine. So to get him um, from for an extension uh, would be a great deal for the Dodgers, and the Dodgers have to learn something a valuable lesson from that pitcher which I will not name. They they overlooked character concerns, and did it come back to bite them? It bit them hard, and it destroyed the season. It's exact. I don't care what anybody says. It destroyed the Dodgers' season. And now is a chance. If you can get a character guy or whoever that may be, Brian Reynolds from Pittsburgh is also available. You're talking about Cody Bellinger. You're going to move on from Bellinger? Go get that kid from Pittsburgh, Brian Reynolds. That kid can play. All right? That kid's all, his fourth year in the league. That's what the Dodgers do best, right? Know your personnel. Don't wait. Make the moves now. Build your team. Be the best. The Dodgers are the best team in baseball. They are America's team. That's what they need to do. They need to decide. If they're going to move on from Belichick, go get Reynolds. They're going to move on from Turner, go get Bogarts. Tom, you had said earlier that you uh, wanted to – you thought they'd re-sign Turner. No, I thought they, I thought they would not. Yeah, definitely would not. They let him go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He he doesn't want that. No, that he doesn't want to be there or, you know, he wants to go back to the East coast. He's going to get paid. I mean, look what uh, Seager got, you know, Seager got like 10 years, 325, something like that. Uh, Trey Turner is going to get paid and he's going to get paid big. And and as Paul mentioned is, uh, or, you know, outlined is is that if the Dodgers aren't going to use him in the way that he's, uh, you know, most valuable, then, He's, it's, it doesn't make sense for either either side. Um, the Dodgers didn't want to um, give Cody that bag, and, and I don't think they're gonna they're gonna want to give Trey the bag. And I think he wants to leave. I think both sides are are feeling like this isn't gonna work, um, and they both know it. And it will be interesting to see what they do there. They go to Lux. You now this is natural position. Um, we'll see. And we need to save our money for Aaron Judge. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Now, where is Turner from originally? Do we know? Do either of you know? Is he? You say he's an East Coast guy. Yeah, I know his whole family's out there. I mean, they, there was a lot of the, a lot of a lot of talk about that when he first got traded to the Dodgers, um, and um, that was the, you know, that was the the talk. So, um, yeah, I, I think he's an East Coast guy through and through. Uh, we'd have to look up the, uh, yeah. the hometown, and and sometimes that's uh, uh, overlooked. Um, you know how badly players want to get back home where they're comfortable. And uh, that, Boynton that's a Beach, powerful Florida. force. His hometown is Boynton Beach, Florida. So oh, there you go. There you go. 
Okay, my final, my fearsome question number four. This is a little bit more of a fun one. Uh, who is your favorite Dodger announcer not named Scully? Now, I'm going to throw some names out there because, you know, I didn't give you any time to prepare for this, but some names to consider. Uh, two names that I would consider uh, would be going way back. I don't know if you guys remember Jerry Doggett, who yeah, was, sure. uh, was sure. awkwardly excellent. <laughs> Ross Porter, who was kind of the opposite of Jerry Doggett, right? He was like formulaic, but spot on, always on, uh, just tons of information. Then there's the the more guys that I call color commentators, Rick Monday, Oral Hershiser, Eric Karos, and then of course uh, Charlie Steiner. Uh, who wants to go first here? Tom, go, go ahead. ahead. Now go you ahead. go. You go ahead. I love. I personally, I love Rick Monday. Rick Monday is my guy. I love Rick Monday. I think he does a great job. Um, I, you know, um, I also like Davis. I think he does a really good, the, I know, uh, who's he paired with now? I think, uh, they got him with, uh, D train, right. With Willis, right. They have him paired. I think he does a great job. Uh, those two together would be amazing. Monday's got all the stories. That's what cracks me up. Rick Monday's got a story for every scenario that happens in baseball, no matter what's happening, but Monday would be my favorite. I would say Rick Monday's my guy. How about you, Tom? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I got to give a shout out to, uh, you know, the the Spanish, uh, Ben Scully, uh, you know, Jaime. Yeah. Jaime, right. Yeah. Um, obviously, didn't listen to him much because I'm I'm not uh, fluent in Spanish. But, um, you know, I really like Oral in there. A lot of guys, don't, a lot of people don't like him, um, you know, just as a, uh, but, you know, I like him. But I, I would have to say, just going back to the days, um, uh, you know, Jerry Doggett and Ross Porter. I mean, they were the guys and that were there forever. And that's who I grew up with. So, uh, uh, you know, th- those are the guys I like a lot. Yeah, I, I like those guys too. And and I'm going to throw in, uh, and I, I was, bi- I'm a little biased here because I pinged my brother who is a uh, the biggest Dodger fan I know. Um, and he said he loves Eric Karos. So I'm going to echo that. Uh, just tons of information as well. And, you don't, know, I'm going to make. Don't overlook Nomar. Don't overlook Nomar. Right, right. Great. I love yeah. when Nomar is in there. But the one thing I will say about Dodger announcers that I really appreciate is especially, you know, the, the main guys, Rick Monday, Vince Gulley, Jerry Doggett, Ross Porter, all those guys, they are so fair and so balanced. And they they never really are derogatory towards the other team. Uh, they call out great plays. They call out bad calls that go the Dodgers' way. The whole bit, that's my perspective, and that's what I've seen. And then I listen to a Padre or Giant broadcast, and it's it can be entirely different sometimes. Uh, you can just sense, you know, uh, they're homers. I, I guess that's what I'm saying. I don't think the Dodger announcers are necessarily homers. Uh, at least compared to the other uh, broadcasts that I've listened to. I will say, are... I will say this about Oral, and I will shout out Oral. Oral is clearly a Dodger fan when he does a Dodger game. <laughs> that's, and that's the way it should be. And that's the way it should be. So I will say this about Oral. Shout out to Oral. He is clearly a Dodger fan 
what he's doing. I, the dog. I don't think I've been, heard him as much as the others. I mean, I grew up with like Tom probably did too, uh, Vince Scully and Jerry Doggett, uh, and uh, they were such a pair. You know, they were they were classic. And then I, here's a follow up to your uh, fearsome four point five. I guess we'll say is uh, okay. Which current Dodger would make the best announcer? Which current Dodger? Yeah, would make the best announcer after his career's over. I don't know about, you know, who has the best voice uh, and is the most articulate, but I'm going to guess Austin Barnes based on the conversation you guys had already about him. Uh, um, I'm, I'm just gonna, guessing. I'm going to go with, hold on. I'm going to go with, oh, I know who I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Max Muncy. I'm going to go with and Max I, Muncy. And, and the more I think about it, I've heard Clayton Kershaw uh, interviewed, and he is very articulate, so he would probably be a good choice too. You know who I used to love because he was one of my favorite pitchers when he was with the Dodgers? But I don't know what happened. Jerry Royce. When Jerry Royce used to do the game, oh, right. I, was a big, I was a big Jerry Royce fan. Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned him because in preparation for this, I mentioned that uh, National League – championship series game I went to in 1974 against the Pirates. You know who the losing pitcher was for the Pirates? It was Jerry Royce. <laughs> it was Jerry Royce. <laughs> that was his pre-Dodger days. You you had an answer in mind, I assume, already, Tom. Oh, I you know, I didn't. I just thought of it um, as we were talking, because we were talking about a lot of ex, you know Dodger players um, and so forth. Uh, I'm not sure a lot of people could have um, predicted Oral would be as good as yeah. he was, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, he's sort of this, you know, this, you know, more of a staid guy. I don't know. I was just looking at the, um, uh, I think Justin Turner, I'm going to say, Oh yeah. I, Justin I'll Turner. bet you, I'll bet you he would be, um, I'll bet you he would be, uh, he always has a big smile on his face. He has a lot of energy. Obviously he's a smart guy. He's been through a lot. Um, you know, and, and obviously the beginning of his career was, you know, the down years of the Mets and whatnot, and then came back and became an all-star and a world series champion. And, and, uh, he just seems like a fun guy who's who's smart, affable, and would really connect with an audience. I, I, that would be my, that would be my pick. The, Kiki Hernandez is really the answer to the question. Kiki <laughs> is destined for the booth. That kid in the booth, I'm telling you, ratings would go through the roof. And yeah, yeah. I, and I he has know. the Spanish. And he has the, the he can you know he's, oh, he's yeah. uh, bilingual. He connects with with uh, you know our, the huge baseball Latino audience. That'd Absolutely. be great. Absolutely. Yeah, and he and he's an old school ball player. That's what I loved about him. Um, he's just that's what he is. He's just a ball player, right? And, and Mookie, Mookie would be great in the booth as well. Mookie would be phenomenal in the his personality in the booth would be he would be great. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I love that. That's a great pick. Okay, any last thoughts? I'll let you go first, Paul. Um, what what focusing on uh, what you how you think the season's going to play out? Uh, who they might face in the playoffs, uh, how it, how it's going to, how's the story going to end the 2022 Los Angeles Dodgers? I think, you know, with all the injuries and everything else, the Dodgers have to be patient. If you look at the standings, right. And you shouldn't go just by the standings, but you know, this team is just beginning uh, just scratching the surface of their ability. I think they're a rock solid squad. What I do like about this season. Um, and if you remember, uh, when they got Mookie Betts in spring training, he called out the team. He said, 
the atmosphere at spring training was not conducive to winning a championship. And they turned it around. They were a much, a much more aggressive, dialed-in team in the beginning of this season, right? That was Mookie Betts. The beginning of this season, Roberts went on record. He said, we're going to win the World Series, right? And I think that was a good thing. I think he needs to set the bar for himself. He needs to set the bar for this team. They should not have lost to Atlanta last year, in my opinion. I think on paper, and that's the bottom line, it's not about paper. you got to play up to your ability. They played down to their competition way too often last year. Same way when they got eliminated by the Nationals. You know, No disrespect to either team. Um, I think both those years were just uh, you know, years that the Dodgers should have been uh, playing in the World Series. So having said that, I think if they're patient, see how their injuries play out. My fingers are crossed that we get Butane back and Trinan back, right? I think, you know, obviously that'll for the stretch run. But if they're patient, they have enough, enough depth on the roster and they have enough in the minor leagues that they can get through it. But they also have enough they can make a deal or two and get this and tweak this roster and rotation and line up whatever it may be. They definitely need to bring in another Thunderbat to get this lineup a little bit more balanced, which I think they can do. There are a lot of DH types out there that they can do if they're not going to go full-time with Muncie or someone else or do a platoon scenario. But I think they're, when it's all said and done the smoke clears, they'll be where they belong. They'll be playing uh, in the World Series. And how much fun will it be for you if they have to go through the Mets and then the Yankees? Oh, that would be – oh, are you kidding me? I would be jumping up and down. <laughs> and, Tom, uh, how do you feel? Uh, any thoughts on the remainder of the season and how it's going to end up? Yeah, I mean, if if, the, if at the beginning of the season you had asked uh, us to, if uh, given the um, injuries to, uh, you know, Bueller and, and Kershaw and – and all, you know all these other guys, um, as well as the and 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 also that uh, Bellinger and and uh, Justin Turner and Max Muncy would be hitting low two hundreds, high one hundreds, um, and uh, Mookie would have the start that he had, and uh, you know if you had lined all that, we'd be oh shaking our heads and oh boy, it's going to be you know the Giants and the Padres ahead of us. We're going to be playing. But, you know, four and a half games up, given everything that's happened with a lot of these guys coming back, not all of them, but when you get guys that weren't even in there uh, that haven't played this year, guys like Dustin May and Victor Gonzalez, um, you know, not to mention the guys that you already said that that were hurt this year and are coming back. So there's a lot of, uh, uh, you know, there's a lot of optimism, especially around that pitching staff coming off of coming, guys coming back from injury. And then, um, but the key thing is going to be, can these guys, can these, these, you know, these core players for the Dodgers um, that uh, Roberts has no, uh, has shown no signs of benching at all. Uh, uh, who are batting, you know, or, or if those guys don't start hitting um, and they keep, then they stay in the lineup. I mean, you know, they're batting 220 high one, what is in the high 100 um, against, you know, the league against a, a regular season pitching staffs. And we all know what happens in the playoffs. Um, I mean, they're going to be in the playoffs. That's no question. The question is that, you know, when, and that's what's happened the last few years when they've been bounced is that they, um, they, uh, uh, they go up against great pitching and they, and they, they don't hit. So, 
something's got to give. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but one way or another, those guys either got to start hitting or we got to uh, bring some guys in that can because there's no way with those three guys in the lineup um, that and not performing in the playoffs that this team's going to win the World Series. And look at what Atlanta did at the deadline. They lost Acuna, and look what they did at the deadline. They got Rosario, Soler, Peterson, and Duvall. They changed their entire lineup, and they got guys that were what? Clutch. They said, we will win in a clutch situation compared to other teams, and that's exactly what happened. The, there were too many times, again, in that Atlanta series when the Dodgers did not deliver in the clutch on both sides of the ball, pitching and hitting. That dynamic can't happen again. That has to change. The Dodgers are way too talented, and these guys are way too seasoned. These are veteran guys. So it's one thing to, you know, and Jock Peterson is a great example. His his numbers in the regular season are pedestrian, but when you put him in the playoffs in those clutch situations, he, the kid delivers. And that's really what has to happen. I, I think, Tom, you're spot on, is that the Dodger leaders have to play like leaders when it's crunch time. It's been too many times we made excuses for them. And that, you know, at this point, you know, the Dodgers are, Dodgers have built their roster to the point that they have enough talent on that roster that we know that we're saying that we're going to get into the playoffs, right? We know that part. Now the next part of that equation is when we're there, we can't be the ones that are coming up short in clutch situations. That can't happen. Right. That, that can't happen. It's just the bottom line. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Uh, it'll be, it'll be. I'm, I'm hoping the Giants don't make it into the playoffs. They're still, they still have a chance. They're kind of hanging there, right behind the Padres. Um, I'll be happy to see the Cardinals not get into the playoffs. It'll probably come down to the Dodgers and Mets and maybe the Braves, right? And I haven't looked closely at how those matchups would go down. Um, that's something we'll have to look at a little closer, maybe another episode. When it's maybe we have a clearer picture of who these what these matchups might be, uh, and it, you know the Padres could be in there too, right? If the Padres are uh, win that wild card game, they'd very likely just roll right in and play the Dodgers, right? Which, which should be in the Dodgers' favor. Um, uh, they've they've dominated them. I saw a stat this year that the Dodgers have won the season series against the Padres. This would be the twelfth year in a row. So I know that I, I live uh, amongst many Padre fans and uh, their hatred of the Dodgers is just like so obvious. It just, you know, it's, it's pretty funny because Garvey, Garvey finished out his career at San Diego. Remember? Yeah. Right. Right. And, and I don't think Dodger fans really feel that way about the Padres. They're just another team, but Padre fans, man, they just would love to knock us out of the playoffs one year. I will, okay. I will I will say this though it has always hurt me that Sosha Baker have never coached the Dodgers. Yeah, I know. I Isn't know. that it's always you know you think about some of the ex players we've had um those guys have never had a shot to coach the Dodgers and they would be perfect. Yeah, and Dusty Baker, you know, if you'd asked me who my favorite Dodger was of Dusty all time. Baker, yeah. Well, number 1 would probably probably be Billy Buckner. Uh, and but Dusty Baker would be a close second or third. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and Paul, we don't need to ask you who your favorite Dodger is <laughs> of all time. Jack, well, I did like I, I would say I would say Fernando, uh, Reggie Smith was one of my favorites. I love. Oh Reggie. yeah, right. You know, um, Reggie. Well, Reggie. So he, so he, talking about trivia, you guys were throwing out trivia thing. 
he was the guy that they caused the brawl. Steve Garvey got mad. I think I forgot who it was. When uh, I think Steve Garvey was getting too much press, and one I forgot who it was. A uh, Don Sutton. Don yeah. said that Reggie Smith is the heartbeat of our team, not Steve Garvey. And he got he it was against the Mets. That's why I remember. It was in New York. It was, it in, was New York. in New York, right? And they got into a fight in the dugout, and I remember yeah. that to this day. And Don That's Sutton. Right. Don Sutton had a tearful apology that he couldn't believe it happened. And yeah, Steve Garvey was kind of a, he was kind of like the Kurt Warner of the day, you know, Uh, his wife was a little bit too much in the limelight to some people's liking. Uh, He was just too, too perfect in a lot of ways. Uh, I, I had no problem with Kurt Warner or Steve Garvey, but I think some people did. It just rubbed people a little wrong uh, for whatever reason, but and the penguin, Ron Say, is right, about, yeah, right. I, I, one of my favorite players. It was those are the four, right? That had the thirty home runs: Baker, Say, Garvey, and Reggie Smith. Hmm. I think that was that the four. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Okay, hey, well, this has been fun. Um, I think we've pretty much covered everything. I, I don't know if we'll have time for another Dodger episode training camp rolling in and then the preseason, but we'll try to do something maybe before the playoffs, before the, uh, we, that's, that's a done deal, right? The Dodgers will be in the playoffs, knock wood, uh, but uh, we'll do it again. If you guys are up to it and I'd like to have you guys back, we'll do another Dodger, uh, another Ram episode, maybe uh, in the middle of training camp after training camp, uh, see what any of us have learned. Um, you guys up for that? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. Thanks a lot for your time. I'll let you get back to your July 4th festivities. And uh, I'm out of here. See you guys next time. All right. Have a great one. Bye bye. Happy 4th. All right. Bye. That's going to do it for this episode. Remember, you can reach us at ramsuppodcast at gmail.com. You can visit our website at ramsup.com find links to all of our episodes and a link to our YouTube channel. And you can also leave us a voicemail from our website. Don't forget to subscribe and give us that five-star rating. It's really appreciated. And remember, keep the horns up, stay safe, and have fun out there. Music courtesy of bensound.com and the YouTube royalty-free music audio library. Crimson Fly by Hama Hama.